the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it, now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Monday, the eighth morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being with us today. We've got a lot of things to talk about today and a lot of people with whom to speak about those things. Coming up in uh, half an hour, we're going to be talking with... um, Congressman Jim Jordan, I know he is just loaded up and ready for bear. He is. <laughs> we're going to ask him to try to make some sense out of the nonsensible. We're going to ask him to make sense out of the Inflation Reduction Act that increases inflation. It's it's a bizarre thing. I mean, it's really it's really a miracle of modern politics that you can literally take something that every economist working in America says, will not lower inflation and will, in all likelihood, increase inflation a slight amount over the next two years and call it the Inflation Reduction Act and do it with a straight face. It's a miracle, honestly, of modern politics, maybe modern science, because it's really, really hard to imagine how people can do that with a straight face. And that's what they're doing. 
So we're going to be talking to uh, Jim Jordan about that coming up at 9.35. At 10.10, Jack Windsor will be with us from the Ohio Press Network with a follow-up story on the Ohio gubernatorial primary. You may remember that one of the uh, uh, challengers to Mike DeWine in the Republican primary, uh, an old farmer with a bushy beard and a great big tall hat and really nothing else to offer the people of Ohio, uh, cheated like crazy, apparently, um, <laughs> taking a whole bunch of campaign contributions and not reporting them properly to the state. And uh, now uh, the chickens are coming home to roost on his farm, quite literally. And I'm going to let Jack tell you that story at about, at about 10.10. And then as we look for ways to try to improve uh, you know, our business climate in the face of Bidenomics and Bidenflation, the Biden economy. Um, Mike Zurin is going to join us uh, with the Lake County uh, Business Roundtable. There's a, there's a great thing happening there, which is really kind of a cool idea. I wanted to feature it and spotlight it a little bit, see if there's something maybe we can learn from it in other places, other counties as well. But it's a business roundtable in which a lot of uh, leaders uh, around Lake County come together to try to generate and support uh, um, a business for all of their their uh, uh, their their endeavors uh, in Lake County for the benefit of the businesses and the consumers in that county as well. So we're going to talk to him. So Jim Jordan, Jack Windsor, Mike Zuring are going to be our guest today. You can be a guest, too, at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. And you better believe I want your thoughts on what happened over the weekend. They waited, of course, until late at night to do their little dramatic um, passing of the uh, of the tax hike on you and on uh essentially all of middle America. That's right. It's a tax hike. It's a tax increase on everybody in the middle class. And I'll explain how in a moment. It flies in the face of what Joe Biden said when he ran for president. Nobody in America making under $400,000 a year will see their taxes increased. Really? Uh, They just guaranteed that that is not true with the passage of this $740 billion tax and spend bill. The Democrats have never seen a dollar that they don't want a piece of, and they have never kept a dollar that they didn't already have spent. It's what makes them liberal Democrats. Tax the people until they can't breathe anymore, particularly at a time when they have inflation like never before in their lifetimes, and then tax the living daylights out of that. Tax them even more. Take more and then spend it on boondoggles like the Green New Deal. Renewable energy that is not renewable. Clean energy that is no cleaner than fossil fuel energy because the fossil fuels are needed to run the clean energy programs. It's so, well, it would be comical. I can't say comical because it's painful. And before we get into the details of all of that, I'm going to ask you to rise. If you are still a patriot, if you still can find a way to summon the energy to rise up and face your flag, please be inspired by it rather than dismayed by it. Be inspired by it because we will not let this stand. We will not let this last. The political suicide that the liberal Democrats, otherwise known as demon rats in the United States Senate, just committed over the course of the weekend will indeed be successful. Suicide is what they committed. It will succeed come November. I'm going to believe that until I have reason not to. And I believe that very, very strongly. And it's going to be happen. It's going to happen because of patriots like you. 
So I ask you, Patriot, to face that flag. Stand with your shoulders back and your head high and your hand on your heart. If you are a believer in Bidenomics, raising taxes on an overinflated uh, uh, pricing uh, population in the middle of a recession, if that's what you really believe is good for the American people, giving that much more power over the income and the livelihood of the people that are their bosses, well, then you don't understand this flag one iota, and you are exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. Instead, go take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback and your favorite pink-haired former soccer player. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It is political suicide, every single bit of that, as Commie Harris, which is the correct shortening of her name, her name is not pronounced Kamala, like capitalism, it's pronounced Kamala, like communism. As such, she's not Cammie for short, she's Commie. Kami Harris uh, just cast the tie-breaking vote uh, over, overnight on uh, Sunday, rather, um, to raise taxes on families, your family, my family, to raise taxes on small businesses, yours and mine, and spend trillions of dollars. Even though this is a $800 billion bill, this is just the beginning of what will be trillions of dollars on elite elitist, rather, projects like the Green New Deal. Zero GOP senators voted for it, correctly so. Um, But obviously, in a 50-50 Senate, Kami Harris gets to cast that tie-breaking vote and cast it, she did. And what she has done is essentially committed the American middle class to more, or to higher taxes, rather, to more regulation, and more limitations on what they can do with their money and how they can earn their money. Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, fought hard uh, to try to stop this, particularly because of the component of the bill that hires 87,000 new IRS agents. They're hiring 87,000 new IRS agents and then trying to tell you that, no, We're not expanding the IRS to come after the middle class. No, no, no. This is, you know, to go after those greedy corporations, the ones that make all the money. There are not 87,000 giant corporations for each of these individuals to work on. And lo and behold, one might expect them to be able to work on more than one case at a time. They're not going after giant corporations. They're coming after you, and they're coming after me. And Ted Cruz wanted everybody to know it. Madam President, there are, there are a lot of bad things in this bill, but few are worse than the proposal by Democrats in this bill to double the size of the IRS and create 87,000 new IRS agents. I guarantee you, citizens in every one of our states, if you ask them what do they want, they don't want 87,000 new IRS agents. And they're not being created to audit billionaires or giant corporations. They're being created to audit you. Uh, the, the House Ways and Means Committee, the minority, has put out an estimate that under this bill, 
there will be 1.2 million new audits per, per year, with over 700,000 of those new audits falling on taxpayers making $75,000 or less. I believe personally... Could you say that again, please, Senator Cruz, so everybody knows, and every liberal Democrat within earshot right now knows exactly what the goal is here? The minority has put out an estimate that under this bill, there will be 1.2 million new audits per, per year, with over 700,000 of those new audits falling on taxpayers making $75,000 or less. 700,000 out of 1.2 million, so right around three quarters, of the new audits that will be conducted, going back Lord knows how many years, will be on families making $75,000 a year or less. That amounts to a tax hike. They're going to go through every receipt with a fine-toothed comb. They're going to go through everything people have, uh, have, have declared, everything that they have deducted, everything, every, every decimal point must be right, or they're going to take more money from you. Middle-class America. Middle-class America that is paying more for their gasoline, for their milk, for their clothing, for their bread, for their auto parts, for everything that they use because of Bidenflation, lifetime highs for almost all of us, lifetime higher, highest prices. And they want to say, that's not enough. We're coming for back taxes. We're going to raise the cost of you five. Every single dollar that they or that we that we make, they collect a portion of, and now they want more of. This is a tax increase. Make no mistake about it. I believe personally we should abolish the IRS, but at a minimum. Hold on, hold on. I, I want to respond to what he just said there. You what? Five thousand dollars or less. I believe personally we should abolish the IRS. Here's how I respond. Damn right we should abolish the IRS. It is an absolute joke of a bureaucracy that just doubled in size thanks to the liberal liberal demon rats who do not want you to have your own financial independence. They want you coming to the government for your every need. This is what communism looks like. And that's why it's only appropriate that in a 50-50 Senate, the tie was broken by a woman whose nickname is Kami. But at a minimum, we shouldn't make the IRS larger than the Pentagon, the State Department, the FBI, and the Border Patrol all combined. The Pentagon. The State Department. The FBI. And Border Patrol. Combined won't make up the size of the IRS. Because that's not what the Democrats prioritize. They don't prioritize fighting crime and stopping illegal invasions. They don't prioritize national defense when Democrats are in charge. They prioritize taxes coming for your money. Because they believe that they can spend it more responsibly for your benefit than you can. The IRS, because of this passage, will be larger than those four entities 
combined. Ponder that. And then ask yourself, how can you or anybody with a, with a clear conscience and moreover with two IQ points to rub together possibly consider voting for any Democrat for any office this November? How? You can't. There's no defense for that. Nothing within the boundaries of reason and common sense. Nothing. And that's what the Democrats are proposing here. It is a terrible idea. If you don't want 87,000 new IRS agents, vote yes. If you don't want it, he was proposing an amendment. Of course, it did not pass because it's a Democrat-controlled Senate by one vote, the vote of coming. But I will tell you this, I'll, I'll amend what Ted Cruz said at the end there. If you don't want 87,000 new IRS agents, then how about you vote Republican in November? And I mean every single race. Senator Marco Rubio focused on another angle to this terrible piece of legislation that passed the Senate last night and will, of course, pass the much more Democrat-controlled House. What do Americans really care about, Senator Rubio? I don't think I need to tell anybody here. Our work is at its best when it's focused on what people care about. Let me tell you what people care about. They don't, they don't care as much about buying solar panels and electric cars as they do not having to live in a community where violent crime is rampant and you've got some crazy prosecutor that refuses to put people in jail, that refuses to prosecute entire categories of crime. People are worried about that, and rightfully so, and it's happening. We have these beautiful cities that were once world-class cities that have become unlivable all over this country because we have these lunatic prosecutors that have decided they're not going to, the entire categories of crime they will not prosecute. That's the kind of stuff we should be working on here tonight. Senator Rubio, Rubio is exactly right, but you haven't heard Chuck Schumer mention violent crime in America once. I'm not going to talk about that on the Senate floor. You haven't heard Joe Biden talk about the rampant increase in violent crime in America's biggest cities. All of them blue cities led by blue democrat mayors and councils and they are all of course literal marxist prosecutors who are working in those districts all campaigns paid and funded by george soros in order to allow that violent crime to increase and policing to decrease and get weaker you haven't heard them talk about that at all. Instead, they're out there trying to pass, and now successfully passing, nearly $800 billion in tax and spend leftist policies to placate their gangrene base, which is, of course, a key priority for them, and, and to weaken the American economy, to weaken the American public's ability to take, take care of itself, to make them have to come to the government for everything. This is their goal. It has always been their goal. We're breaking no new ground here, but it has never been, or very rarely has it been, this brazen and this very publicly obvious. 216-901-0945, I got a lot of mo for you. A lot of mo coming up. Always Right Radio. All right, 927, don't forget Congressman Jim Jordan coming up after the bottom of the hour. I know he's got thoughts on uh, what the Democrats did over the weekend, passing this ridiculous uh, Biden Inflation Act to make it even worse. They're calling it the Inflation Reduction Act, which I find just all kinds of comical. Tanya is in Akron. Uh, Tanya, good morning. Go right ahead. 
Hey, Bob, good morning. I know everybody's a little bit uh, depressed and want to know how much longer we can fight this. I actually got up with that same spirit this morning, and I read something from a devotion, and it just made me realize that this is a spiritual fight as much as a a fight of us becoming activists, because we have to become activists. It says, uh, Paul said, the night the Lord spoke to him in a vision, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent. And that was you and a lot of people that have been, you have not been silent, but a lot of others of us have to get louder and not be afraid, because I am with you and no one is going to harm you, because I have many people in the city. We have to realize there are more of us than them. But as long as we hide out, we will be afraid and they will take over. We take over our school boards. We take over our city council. And we have to realize as bad as it is, if we win the House and the Senate, we control the money. And laws that are on the books, we don't have to fund them. There are things that we can do. We got smart people. We were able to stop some of the stuff that Obama had put in. We can stop some of the stuff that dummy Joe out of the basement can do. And we have to stop attacking each other. We have to stop attacking each other. We may not have the best Republicans, but we, if we get together and we vote the strongest Republicans in and hold their feet to the fire, be in their face, and tell them that we voted them in, we will make, there's still hope. Every time you play Reagan, I'm hopeful. Every time you play the pastor from, I think it's Richfield, I'm hopeful. And I'm hopeful every time I hear you bringing on the attack because you're a pit bull. But all of the rest of us, we may not be able to be pit bulls, but we can be little chihuahuas that bark a lot. And we need to do that. As long as we're all in the same pack. I don't care what size the dog is. That's the key. Tanya, (laughs) thank you. I appreciate your call very much and your points as well. Going to get out for news so we can get back in with Jim Jordan. And you're right. We cannot give up the fight. We will not give up the fight. I promise you, General Jordan will lead us uh, in that fight. He'll talk to us next. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always right radio with Bob Kratz on the answer. 937 on this Monday morning. Appreciate you being with us. Senator, um, 230 economists wrote letters to Congress saying that the Inflation Reduction Act would actually add to inflation. Ted Wharton's budget model said the same thing. If there's a chance that these people are right, is now the right time to do this considering how high they're it is? wrong? Senator. <laughs> That's just, that's it. Chuck Schumer has declared 230 economists writing to the Senate and to the White House saying, don't do this. Raising these taxes during a recession is a very dangerous thing to do, and this will not decrease inflation. Also, the Penn Wharton School says the same thing. Should you really, they're wrong. All of them are wrong. Chuck Schumer is right. Let's get a reaction to that and more from Congressman Jim Jordan now on AM 1420. The answer, Congressman Jordan is the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee and also our 4th District Representative. Congressman, good morning. 
Bob, good to be with you. So they're all wrong. Uh, this was the right thing for the Senate to do. It was the right thing for Kami Harris to do is to, uh, to, to break that tie on a straight party line vote to pass a nearly $800 billion tax and spend bill uh, to, quote, reduce inflation. Congressman, why are they calling something the Inflation Reduction Act when every economist in the country says it will not only will it not decrease inflation, it will slightly increase inflation over the next two years? Because the left actually actually thinks if they decree it, if they say it, it's true. Regardless of the facts, regardless of history, regardless of basic economics, everyone knows you spend three-quarters of a trillion dollars when you've got a 41-year high inflation rate, you raise taxes on people, you're going to exacerbate the inflation problem, you're going to hurt the economy, but they just say it. It's the template the left has. They make up the lie, big media reports it, which they've been doing all weekend, big tech amplifies it, and then when we, when we try to tell them it's the truth, they go, oh, no, 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 you're the ones lying. Just what Chuck Schumer said. So that's the template. The good news is the country has figured it out. They know when the left says something, nine times out of ten, what they're saying is not true. And certainly when the media reports it the way they does and, and, and runs around with it and makes it the biggest news, of course it's not true. And anyone with any common sense understands that. Congressman, the, there are a lot of things to really be upset about with this le- legislation. Uh, a lot of problems with it, with respect to what it yeah. is for. You know where most of that money goes uh, to this, to you know, to climate and, and so forth. But I think the worst thing is the eighty-seven thousand new IRS yeah, agents. Totally. Now, eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents, and the Joint Committee on Taxation has reported that seventy-eight to ninety percent of the taxpayer money raised via new audits and investigations as a result of this legislation will come from American households earning less than $200,000 a year. That means Joe Biden's pledge that no one under $400,000 a year will pay a nickel of new taxes. Obviously, he has just given up on that. Yeah, I mean, you're right. This is this is the thing that scares me the most because you know you and I've talked a number of times about the political nature of the Justice Department. Now you got eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents coming, so get ready to get audited, get ready to get harassed. Here comes your friendly government knocking on your door, saying, "Oh, we're from the government and we're here to help." Everyone knows that is BS. This is the most egregious thing I think actually in the bill that there are 87,000 new bureaucrats running around to harass Americans. And remember what happened 10 years ago when Lois Lerner and the IRS targeted people for their political beliefs. So this, this is the scariest thing of all. And frankly, this is something we should focus on. If, in fact, the American people put us back in charge, put Republicans back in charge, we should focus on getting rid of that single thing. That is one of the big things that should be at the front of the list. Well, Ted Cruz really, I think, uh, put it best. Let me see if I can play this clip for you real, real quick and get your reaction. New IRS this. agents. I guarantee you, citizens in every one of our states, if you ask them what do they want, they don't want 87,000 new IRS agents. And they're not being created to audit billionaires or giant corporations. They're being created to audit you. Uh, the, the House Ways and Means Committee, the minority, has put out an estimate that under this bill, there will be 1.2 million new audits per, per year, with over 700,000 of those new audits falling on taxpayers making $75,000 or less. That is literally a full-on assault. Three-quarters of the new audits per year will go toward people making $75,000 yep. less. That is a full-on frontal assault at the middle class. There's no other way to describe class. that, is there? Yeah, on the middle class, and, and oh, what if you happen to also contribute to Republican candidates? Are they going to know that information? I mean, we hope not. 
But that's the part that scares us the most. So, yeah, a tax increase on middle-class families. And will it be on middle-class families who happen to vote Republican? Uh, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see. This is why this is so egregious and has to be changed. Well, you know, it's 87,000 lowest learners. They're not going, you know that, and so yeah. why. They're not going to yeah. hire a bunch of nonpartisan uh, agents and say, we're just looking to clean things. They're going to take every nickel from every single person that has ever, as you just said, you know, Look, they they declared they were going to punish Trump voters. They declared that yep. they were going to punish Trump supporters. Every one of you, uh, you know, this is what they declared, and this is their way to do it. If you made a, a donation, as you say, to Republican causes or candidates or PACs or whatever, and then wrote it off of your taxes, you are going to be targeted. They that's what Lois Lerner did, and obviously to the Tea Party people and the nine twelve commissions and so yep. forth, and now anybody that has been a Republican and, and supporter here, is not to pay the price. It, and here's what will happen. If this gets implemented, you will start to see, just like we've had to our, our office where we've had now over a dozen whistleblowers establishing this well-worn trail coming to us uh, as uh, FBI agent whistleblowers telling us all the egregious things going on at the Justice Department, you will have the same thing happen. There will be a handful of good good agents of that 87,000 who will say this is ridiculous what, what's, what's going on. That's why we have to stop it before it ever happens. No, to completely concur. And by the way, uh, Cruz also said one other thing, that the um, IRS will now be uh, larger than the Pentagon, which is in charge of our national security and defense, the State Department, the FBI, and our U.S. Border Patrol combined. Border Patrol, yeah. yeah. Come, think about that. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah. The, the, the priorities of the left attack American citizens versus protect the country. I mean, that is that is attack american citizens harass american citizens versus secure our border that's the that's the the left's priorities and it's it it's i tell you what again i think the country when i'm out and about talking with folks i think they get it they're so sick of this it's the same same mentality they see on this january 6th committee attack president trump attack conservatives the same darn mentality and people are sick of it because that is not supposed to be how america operates and the country understands that um, one quick uh, departure from this particular piece of legislation, the Inflation Increase Act. Um, I, I just want to ask you about the IRS and its arming up. Matt Gates uh, has been very, very loud yeah. about this in the last few days. Apparently, the IRS, through the first seven months of this year, has purchased three-quarters of a million dollars worth of ammunition. Um, and, and Representative Gates, I thought, said it best. I thought the heaviest artillery an IRS agent would need would be a calculator, not $725,000 worth of ammunition. Why is the IRS arming up? This is a fundamental question we have to ask because it's not just them. Remember the assault weapons ban that passed through the House. Thank goodness it hasn't gone through the Senate. But the assault weapons ban, that, that so-called assault weapons ban that, that passed through the House, um, the, it didn't ban federal agencies from buying these weapons. So there's eight pages of weapons that American citizens, law-abiding American citizens who have a Second Amendment right, aren't, aren't allowed to purchase under that legislation. But it said nothing about it. So, so the Department of Education, the IRS can purchase. What do they need weapons and ammunition for? I mean, if there's some, some kind of uh, criminal proceeding, criminal process needs to happen with, with someone relative to their tax, then you, then you get federal agents and federal marshals to handle that, or local law enforcement, for goodness sake. So I don't get that either. One of the things we have to get to the bottom of because I'm not sure why in the why in the world would the IRS need need the the, the you know guns and ammo um, makes no sense. 
Yeah, I, I think they took it literally when they heard us uh, complaining about the IRS being weaponized. I think they took that quite literally. Uh, over ele- <laughs> $11 million worth of ammunition in the last 10 years, the IRS has apparently stockpiled, and I want to know why. Somebody in Congress yeah. needs to get to the bottom of that. It's a bizarre thing. Um, you know, our FBI agents... Yeah, and, that, are, and, frankly, that much, and frankly, that much ammunition probably, when, when you have some federal agency purchasing it, probably drives up the cost for everyone else, for goodness right. sake. I mean, for, for, I mean, it's like... It, it, it seems wrong on so many counts. Yeah, it, well, and you know, the the bizarre part is everything that they buy, they buy with our money. And <laughs> now they're coming yeah, after us for more of our money with 87,000 more agents, and it's a vicious circle that just continues to repeat itself, you know, a vicious cycle. So, uh, Congressman, uh, Joe Biden continues to send KJP uh, up to the podium to embarrass herself, and in the midst of embarrassing herself, she continues to brag about the greatest decline in gas prices in over a decade, because it's gone down some 80 cents in the, over the course of the last 30 or 40 days, and they're really, really proud of the fact that they've dropped gas prices 80 uh, by 80 cents. But why is it that they will not address the fact that gas prices are still nearly $2 higher than they were when he took over, despite the greatest yeah. decline in prices in a decade? Yeah, they're trying to have it all ways. I mean, they drive up the cost of, of gas. They're going to put their policies in this, this bill, this crazy bill they just passed, and, you know, with green energy and climate change focus and everything. They're going to, they're gonna, I think, drive them up again. Um, y- you know, that, 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 their policy driving up the cost of energy, I think, are, are largely responsible for the record price of everything else, the 41-year high inflation rate, because energy is used in everything. We've talked about that. But um, this is Democrats. They, they're going to say whatever. They're, what, what are we now, 90 days before an election? Yeah. So uh, they're going to try to have it any way and every way they can. Uh, uh, again, I always point out, I, I don't think the country falls for this. They understand under President Trump it was 2 bucks. Under President Biden it's been around 4 and $5 in some cases. So... Um, the country, the country is, I think, set to set to make a big change here on uh, on November eighth. God willing, uh, I, I certainly yeah. hope that I hope that is the case. And, and by the way, I apologize. I, I I skipped one element of the bill in the IRS part of that discussion uh, that I wanted to hit with you, uh, Senator Mike Crapo. I, I think it is, uh, if I'm saying his name correctly, from Idaho, offered an amendment that would ban any of the new funds that are being used to hire the new IRS agents to target Americans earning less than $400,000 annually. In other words, they continue to say, we're going after the corporations, we're going after the wealthiest uh, among us, we're going after that 1% kind of a thing. That's what this uh, increase in in IRS funds and agents is going to be used for. So he basically said, okay. Prove that, please. Pass an amendment yeah. here that says this is this isn't going to go after anybody under four hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. They rejected it unanimously. Every single Democrat yeah. said, "Nope, won't do it." Yeah, put your money where your mouth is. And when it came time to do that, oh no, no, we can't do that. Which just confirms what we said here at the top of the of the uh, of the of the call when when they they will they will put up the lie. The big media will report it. Big tech will amplify it. When we try to tell the truth and we call them on it, like Mr. Like Senator Crapo did, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. You're wrong. You're wrong. We're not going to do it, but we don't need to vote on that. It's not really happening, but we don't need to talk about it. I mean, that is today's left. It's all built on so many lies. Um, just well, when they get to your up. body, when they get to the House, which is obviously this week, and they expect to have a final vote on this by yeah. Friday, from what I what I'm told, I, I'm I'm yeah, trusting right. that you and others will make all of this very very well. Now, because if they're going to do this, 
there better be a price for it. There better be, you know, somebody called it political suicide, uh, that you're raising prices, uh, or excuse me, uh, raising taxes basically on all Americans in the middle of a recession, despite, you know, record high or 40, 50 year high I- inflation. You're doing all of these yeah. things to the people, um, while crime is happening, while we can't put gas in our tanks and all of these other things. There better be a massive price to be paid for it in November. You keep talking about November 8th. I hope you guys yeah. are going to shout it from the rooftops in every way that you can. Yeah. during these hearings to let everybody know what the ramifications are going to be for middle-class America. Yeah. Bob, you know, another thing that's going to happen with these 87,000 IRS agents, too. My guess is the vast majority of them will be working remote. So think about it. They're going to, so someone working from their home in, in northern Virginia, not have to get up and go to work like everyone else does in, here in Ohio, certainly in the 4th District, working remote, harassing the people, harassing the construction worker, harassing the manufacturer, harassing the farmer who gets up and busts his tail every stinking day, the teacher who has to go to work every day. They're going to harass those middle-class families, and they're, they're working remote, and they're drinking their fancy coffee and all that BS, getting paid by the taxpayers to go harass the very taxpayers who are getting up and going to work. That's, that's the most egregious part of it, and they might be doing it because they're Republicans. <laughs> that, is, that is how sick and sinister this thing is, and for them to say it's not is just BS. That is such a disgusting thought, but you're right. You, you want to know why they're going to let them work from home, right? They're going to let them work from home yeah. because they don't want to have to pay yeah. for to fill up their own gas tanks to go into offices and harass of people. Course, of course, like it's 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 so. I mean, instead of serving us, we now it seems like now the taxpayer has to serve the bureaucrat, the federal government worker. It's like such a such a clock. By the way, um, I read something else yesterday uh, uh, that in advance of this massive vote, this uh, this all important vote of theirs, did Democrats uh, tell their their senators to not do their COVID tests yesterday because they didn't want to take a chance on anybody being positive That's and not being there to vote? Yeah, they literally waived their COVID policies. They continue to scream about the danger of this. They waived their own COVID policies to make sure that they yeah. didn't miss one senator because they knew if one person didn't show, they wouldn't pass. Well, we. Well, we well, all I saw was what we retweeted Clay Travis. Uh, so Clay had picked up on that somehow. So yeah, but but it it, it goes to figure. Remember, they waved it when Nancy Pelosi needed to make sure she had enough people there to vote, and they put the bubble up at the top of the chamber, like That's it looked right. like the you know the, the the glass the glass the plexiglass thing. You can go in there and cast your vote. They put a special uh, voting console up there for <laughs> so so yeah. The rules never apply when it comes to Democrats taking your money, harassing you, and making sure Nancy Pelosi stays in power. So the rules don't apply to them. Just to our service, just to our servicemen who risk their lives for us, they get kicked out if they don't do what what they're supposed to do when it comes to COVID protocol. And now it looks like kids wanting to go to parents whose kids want to go to school. Sorry, in certain locations, if you don't get the shot, you can't even go get your education. For goodness' sake. Well, you 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 just anticipated my question. That was going to be my last question for you this morning. Is in D.C. All students yeah. in Washington, D.C. are apparently age 12 and older. If you don't take that jab before coming back to the classroom, you don't get to come back to that classroom, and you can face expulsion, not even being forced into remote learning, expulsion. Like, you're just not part of our school district anymore yeah. unless you take that jab. Kids who are at an infinitesimally small risk of having any serious uh, uh, complications or issues or illnesses as a result of COVID-19 are going to be forced to take something that could compromise their health if they want to stay in school that's impossible for me to understand yeah and i think it's there's got there's got to be constitutional concerns with that as well but 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 remember it was like six seven weeks ago i asked dr burks when she was in front of us i said hey when the biden administration told us that the vaccinated couldn't 
get the virus. Were they lying or guessing? And her response was, I don't know. So they have known all along that this, this thing, when you, you get it, it wasn't going to keep you from getting, getting uh, COVID. And yet now they're telling kids, as you just point out, who are the least, uh, the least, lowest risk, they're telling kids, you can't go get your education unless you get this. Telling their parents, you have to do this. I mean, again, it makes no sense. But well, that's, just, again, just to clarify, yeah, just to clarify something you said, Dr. Burks didn't say, I don't know. She said she knew. Listen. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccines. I knew, she said, they weren't going to protect yeah. against infection. So she knew it and right. went along with it and forced it on people, cost people their jobs, their livelihoods, their careers yeah. anyway. Um, yeah. which... Well, that, that response she gave in the Senate hearing, that was, my mind was two weeks before when she wasn't quite there yet. I think okay. she was trying to figure out how better to say it. That's his response. She gave. But you're exactly right. They knew. They knew, and yet they told us. So think about it. Your government, the same government now getting 87,000 new agents to come harass you, your government looks like they intentionally lied to us, we the people, and now they're getting 87,000 more agents to come harass you some more. That's how sick this left-wing government is. That is exactly what they've done. Congressman Jordan, I won't keep any longer. I appreciate you putting in the time. I look forward to hearing you and everyone else uh, that cares about this country and cares about this republic exposing every single thing that this bill does when it comes before you for ultimate passage this week. So we'll look forward to that, and we'll talk to you next week. Great. Thanks, Thanks, Bob. Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. You know, people will say to me sometimes, well, how come Jordan just talks a good game but doesn't do anything? What can he do? He's a minority. He's in the minority in his uh, body in the House. And uh, he can't change votes. He can't call votes. He can't subpoena people. All he can do is make noise, get in front of every camera he can find, and tell the truth about what's going on so that there's a price to pay in uh, November. That's his job, and that he's great at it. And expose this and tell as many people, including you know, undecided people. It's hard to believe there are some, but there are. There's still a massive number of undecided people, centrists, moderates, whatever you want to call them. We don't know which way to go. Um, he will, will help turn their heads toward the Republicans in November, which is exactly what has to happen. I'll be back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway, nine minutes past ten o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. It's the eighth morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And the chickens have come home to roost on a certain farm uh, in uh, in Ohio. I'm going to let uh, Jack Winsley tell you that story in just a moment here. Uh, but uh, as we bring Jack on from the Ohio Press Network, the first thing we want to do is follow up on the story that's going to affect all of us, uh, and that is the passage of the uh, Non-Reduction Inflation Act of 2022. And I can't think of a really clever way to say that, but it's the opposite of what they say it is. We just spent a great deal of time with Jim Jordan on that. We're going to ask Jack Windsor to talk about that first and foremost. Jack is our statehouse uh, uh, reporter. 
for AM 1420 The Answer and for Salem Media here uh, down in Columbus. But he is, of course, perhaps best known as the founder and editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network online at ohiopressnetwork.com. Hey, Jack, good to have you back, man. How are you? Hey, Bob, I'm super fantastic. Always an honor to be here. Thanks for choosing me today. So we're going to talk about the uh, big hat uh, and, uh, you know, some problems that he had in his run for governor in a moment here. But I cannot, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, uh, for your thoughts on the bigger story here nationally, because it's going to affect all of us in our households. I mean, they're coming after middle-class Americans like never before because they just yeah. can't bring themselves to reduce spending. They have to find more money that they can spend, they being the Democrat Party. And so what they've done with this quote-unquote Inflation Reduction Act, uh, among other things, is uh, hire 87,000 new IRS agents, doubling the size of the IRS force to come after majority and an overwhelming majority of middle-class Americans. In fact, 740,000, out of, according to Ted Cruz, 740,000 out of each 1.2 million new annual audit, audit, audits will be for people making less than $75,000 a year. They're coming after you to take more of your money because, like I said, they can't cut spending, so they have to find more money to spend. What's your reaction to what happened last night? Uh, it's gross. It's disgusting. It is another example. Look, the government's really good at creating scarcity or fear and then stepping in and saying, hey, we can fix this for you. Don't be afraid anymore. Or, hey, if you do this, we're going to move from scarcity to abundance. And it's garbage. I mean, the act is the reverse, as you just said. Um, It's not going to combat inflation. It's going to make it worse. Uh, What is it, 700 and some billion dollars in in taxes? Uh, Bob, we talked about it last week. I think we both agreed. The thing that scared the hell out of me the most was the fact that they were going to further empower the IRS to bleed a turnip. And that's where we're at, In in the middle of uh, Joe Biden can beat his chest all he wants on Friday about jobs and the unemployment rate. The reality is people are getting clobbered by high prices. They're, they're terrified about what the economic future looks like. And this government can't tighten its belt. The government cannot do what you and I have to do every month, which is balance our bills, our budget, and pay our bills. No, you're you're exactly right, and uh, they don't have to because they have an endless su- supply of cash. They just, if they need to, they just print more. And uh, if uh, if that's not working or it is causing too much inflation, uh, well, then they'll just go after the people again. They'll just take more from everybody. They'll increase taxes on what they call corporations that don't pay their fair share, but fair share. But then those corporations, of course, increase the prices on the goods and services that they sell us, and we, of course, then pay ultimately higher taxes as a result. So. Uh, no, you're you're exactly right. And and the worst part about it, Jack, last thought on this, is their reason. Uh, you know, they claim it's to fight climate change. It's to fight climate change, and this is a huge step. I mean, we are one part and not anywhere near the largest part of uh, an industrial world, an industrialized world. And they seem to think that if our little tiny part of all of this can can uh, go ahead and hurt our own people and raise our own taxes and, you know, but in order to cut our own carbon, that it'll somehow save the planet. Meanwhile, the largest polluters on, in the world are doing nothing of the sort. As a matter of fact, the Chinese and the Indians, it's China and India, the two largest polluters in the world, 
China just announced a massive increase in their own coal production and usage over the course of the next 10 years. They just made it public, for crying out loud, while here in the United States we're saying we're going to get rid of coal, we're going to get rid of uh, um, natural gas and oil uh, consumption so that we can save the planet. How on earth do we save the planet when we're sharing the planet with people who aren't doing the same thing? Well, and we put ourselves at the mercy of a country, China, that essentially owns the battery market if we're going to switch over to electric. How silly is that? (laughs) That's right. It's crazy. I, I mean, I just, you know, it's hard for me, man. It's it's really hard for me because, um, you know, I it, people work hard. And uh, and then you have people in, in Washington, D.C., and I'll even say in Columbus, Ohio, who sure. um, just prey on, prey on citizens, prey on people who work hard and try to make ends meet and raise a family. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's exactly right, Jack. And uh, it is it hits us in Columbus, Ohio, and Cleveland, Ohio, and and everywhere. And that's why these are, even though they're large uh, national and global stories, they literally are local stories first and foremost. Okay, now let's really stay localized and let's stay in Ohio. You and I covered and talked a lot uh, during the uh, run up to the May primary for the gubernatorial race, and we know that Mike Dewine was trying to fight off Jim Renacci, who I think in a one on one battle would have beaten Mike Dewine, but he was thwarted in that attempt by the big hat. The hat uh, uh, is the one belonging to Joe Blystone. Uh, it was pretty much his only campaign, uh, um, what do I want to call it? Uh, I don't want to say a promise, but it's really the only thing he was known for because he wasn't known for good ideas. He wasn't known for uh, for having history or knowledge or an understanding of campaigns, much less government, um, which he wanted to run. But what he did do was take a whole bunch of money from a whole bunch of donors and then not report it properly. And uh, mm-hmm. it was something that we saw uh, come to a head literally just days before the election and a hearing before the Elections Commission. And now, um, well, I'm going to let you break the story here. You tell us what you are reporting on next. Yes. So uh, there was an original examination letter that went out from Secretary of State's office to friends of Joe Blystone earlier this year. And I think we talked about that on air. Joe Blystone uh, uh, delivered a press release after that basically stating, hey, we're in communication and, you know, we're going to have to turn over uh, a lot fewer dollars than this inquiry indicates right now, and and we're going to fix this. Well, here we are. Uh, It's August. Frank LaRose's office cites four election laws that Joe Blystone, um, friends of Joe Blystone, and Jane Blystone, uh, who is uh, the tre- was the treasurer of that campaign, um, violated uh, 13 times is what the record indicates. And the Secretary of State turned that record over. Um, it would have been the uh, July 29th is is when they turned it over to the Ohio Elections Commission, which, by the way, the Ohio Elections Commission is responsible for looking into campaign law violations. But mm-hmm. Uh, there are four laws that this center around. Number one, failure to file statements containing information regarding statement of contributions. Two, failure to keep a strict account of contributions uh, from whom they were received and the purpose for which they were distributed. Three, failure to file a complete and accurate statement required under Ohio election laws. And then four, cash contributions in excess of $100. Now, Bob, here, here's what, what is at issue. Uh, there are 55 contributions for which the Blystone campaign improperly used a fundraising exemption, and those entries total $82,205. Um, contributions for which there was no collection date uh, that were reported, uh, 14 records relating to contributions reported anonymously or not reported at all, 153 identified contributions described as events 
uh, not assigned to a person or an entity without any supplementing information, and then cash contributions ranging from $105 to $3,836. So this is the third set of complaints or referrals to the OEC. You'll remember Sarah Chambers, the former campaign co-manager for Blystone's campaign, Mm -hmm. and then Mary Capella filed, uh, and now Secretary of State Frank LaRose on behalf of Ohioans has delivered uh, these 13 referrals. So these, um, th- this is a huge development. Uh, now, it, unfortunately, it's a it's a huge development that's kind of after the fact. Obviously, uh, it's the kind of thing that you know, depending on what kinds of of fines or punishments or whatever that might be levied against the Blystone campaign and friends of Blystone as the organization, maybe it'll be a deterrent for other people in the future. But it's uh, it's sad that all of this stuff couldn't have been disclosed and couldn't have been discovered before the camp or before the uh the primary election because obviously it's it's a little too late now and anybody who voted for uh for joe blystone rather than for jim renacy if you were you know in the camp both of those camps wanted to get rid of mike dewine but if you were in the in, in the blystone camp and maybe you were deceived and hoodwinked by a dishonest campaign it's a little too late now yes you know there there's going to be a lot of commentary and opinion around why this happened the way that it happened. Had Mary Capella not filed her writ of mandamus with the Ohio Supreme Court, there may not have been an expedited hearing. And, of course, there was a hearing the day before the primary election. Uh, We were able to obtain an email from from Philip Richter, and he's the executive director, staff attorney for the Ohio Elections Commission. Um, And his response was really, really interesting. Um, Well, first, before I give you his response, let me tell you, uh, the complaints, the possible outcomes for them would be they can be dismissed due to lack of evidence. Uh, the OEC can hire an investigative attorney, although some parties tell me they don't have the resources to do that. Um, and they can actually uh, turn the complaints over to a prosecuting attorney or they for prosecution, obviously, or they can issue fines to Joe Blystone. But here's the interesting part. Uh, in the email that Richter sent, he sent it to the attorneys involved. Um, so Capella's attorney, um, then it would be Blystone's attorney, and Chambers' attorney. And here's what he said. I anticipate I will recommend that this referral be set for hearing and that the fer- referral will be consolidated with the two other matters that are currently pending before the commission. Now, here's the part that's really interesting. Second paragraph, he writes, I am reaching out at this time in an effort to encourage all parties to come to an agreeable resolution of these serious issues. As the commission has already set the two previous matters for full hearing, and this referral appears to mimic and extend on the allegations contained in those complaints, it is apparent that there is a substantial amount of evidence concerning the circumstances, um, so on and so forth. But then it, it goes on and, and he basically says, hey, since it's after the election, mm-hmm. does it really matter? <laughs> you know, it, can we just maybe settle this be- between all of you uh, before using more Ohio Election Commission resources uh, to deal with the matter? Which is really interesting because, again, he said these are serious issues. <laughs> and now there are, you know, three complaints. Um, 
And I, Bob, I just, I don't know that I, if you've been involved with the court system, I'm sure, system and I'm sure you have, I, I don't know of a judge or, or somebody that would say, hey, can you all just figure it out and then, and then let me know what you decide? It's a really interesting response from Richter on the matter. It is, and uh, and that's bothersome to me because again, what am I looking for here? What did I say? Uh, there's got to be a deterrent factor here. If the if these the rules were broken or the campaign laws were broken, there needs to be significant, in my opinion, um, you know, uh, punishment or consequences for that in order to stop others from trying to do these things in the future. Who knows what future election might be decided correctly uh, because somebody was um, you know dissuaded from uh, from engaging in the same kind of behavior. So uh, you know, these are serious. Uh, uh, issues and then for him to just dismiss them and say now make them go away on your own so we don't have to um, I think there's a problem I want them to go after him I want him to go after him with the full weight of the law I want everything to be I'm not saying you know oh, go over the top I'm not saying uh, right. to do anything that isn't warranted in terms of you know uh, uh, you know punishment or consequences but whatever the limit is that should be reached and uh, and Blystone should have to do that so that uh, this kind of thing is uh, like I said is uh, not necessarily let's say it's discouraged from happening again so that's a big deal. Um, it is. Jack, yep. I'm sorry. You have another thought on that? Go ahead. No, no. I, I was just saying it is. It is a big deal, particularly when you when you read that it, it may not be the most optimal usage of the commission's hearing process. My question then, and I think our reader's question is going to be, well, then what's the process for um, when you have 13 alleged violations and you're not looking into election law infractions? I think it begs the question: Why have election laws on the books? Exactly. But I digress. Very, very well said. No, that's that's uh, that's perfect, Jack. I would ask you about another story that's on the Ohio Press Network right now, but I want to save it for Wednesday, uh, and I want to make this announcement right now. I want everybody to know that um, our Wednesday commentator, our good friend Neil McCabe, who has been with us for a few months now, uh, doing doing a regular segment, a benchmark segment every Wednesday at eleven ten. Neil has taken a new position down in Florida. He's going to be on the DeSantis beat working for the Ohio or not Ohio excuse me uh, uh, OAN One America News Network and uh, so we find ourselves in a terrific position here we don't use Jack Windsor enough we don't ride this horse uh, often enough so we're going to saddle him up and we're going to put him on the air every Wednesday at 1110 Jack Windsor will give us the latest on what's going on in Ohio and maybe even around uh, a little bit further outside of the state uh, if you take a look at the Ohio Press Network website, which I'm looking at right now, there are articles on cancel culture. There's articles on the tie-breaking vote last night on the tax and spend bill. And there's a terrific piece that Jack wrote himself about Joe Biden and unemployment. The uh, massive job creation that uh, that happened in July was just announced on Friday, 528,000 jobs. And Biden is beating his chest as if he is King Kong of job creation. But there's more to that story. You can read that story now on the website for Jack, which is the OhioPressNetwork.com, but we will discuss it, among other things, on our first regularly scheduled Wednesday uh, benchmark segment. Every Wednesday at 1110, we're going to have Jack Windsor uh, on the program with us. So, uh, Jack, we're really excited about that. Bob, I'm Ann. I, I had a hard time sleeping last night. I was thinking about, all right, what are we going to talk about Wednesday? <laughs> I'm excited, man. I, I love being with you, and I love being um 
with our with our listeners this is uh this is my favorite place to be so yeah. thanks for the invitation i look forward to it it is it is uh it is a pleasure to have you jack you bring so much information every single time and it's always uh you know very coherent and well articulated so that people can understand things on a, on a on an elementary basis as well as being able to dig into the into the depth of the stories as well you do a great job of making it accessible for everybody so we're looking forward to that and also in the writing so again i'll tell people don't wait to read the article but we'll discuss it a little bit more on wednesday among as our uh, part of our first uh, conversation. But Jack Windsor will be with us each and every Wednesday at 1110. Jack, thanks for coming on this morning to talk about this breaking news story of Joe, uh, Joe Blystone being in some trouble now uh, with the Secretary of State. And uh, we'll follow that, obviously, and talk with you more about that as the situation develops. Jack Windsor, thank you so much, my friend. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Thanks, Bob. Have a blessed Monday. Talk to you, you soon. You too. Thank you. 1026 now. Always right radio on AM 1420. The answer right back. Uninformed. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Ten thirty six now. Always right radio on AM 1420. The Answer. Thanks to uh, Jack Windsor for joining us. Looking forward to talking to him each and every Wednesday here on AM 1420. The Answer. And uh, I'm going to go back now to the conversation that I had with Jim Jordan in hour number one, and I, w- I welcome you to uh, call 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 um, to talk a little bit more about this bill that uh, passed the Senate yesterday as they bang their chest and they brag about this huge victory. It's a victory for Democrats, but only elected Democrats, not for Democrat voters. It's just that they're too stupid to know it. It's not a victory for them. It's a punishment for them. It's a punishment for anybody who is a good, decent, law-abiding, middle-class, tax-paying American citizen. Whether you have a D or an R after your name is irrelevant, you're going to get hit by this. Massive tax and spend with no benefit on the other side. You know, there's something in business called an ROI. If you know business at all, you know what an ROI is, right? It's ROI is called return on investment. What is the return on the investment that I make? If I put money into something, what am I getting back for it? You know, whether you, you know, it doesn't have to be a literal financial investment into a CD or into a stock or a, or a, or a mutual fund or a bond or something, but just an ROI is a return on whatever your, wherever your investment, wherever your dollars go, what do I get for it? Well, what are we getting for $740 billion of our tax dollars going into Democrat hands in order to be spread out uh, into all kinds of Democrat, Democrat pet project areas? What is our ROI? The return on our investment is going to be IRS audits. We're buying our own audits. And whether you do your own taxes, whether you have a, a service to them or not, you better have every receipt you ever used uh, when you declared something on your taxes. You better have every single document because what you've bought with your own money is an audit. And if they find a nickel that you didn't pay correctly from six years ago, compounded with interest, you're going to pay all of that back. 
and the chances are, of course, it'll be plenty of nickels. And you are going to be uh, you are going to be hit by this, so that they can use that money to spend more on giant government pet projects. There, you know, it's it's like um, it's like handing someone a rope and saying, "Here, learn how to tie a noose, fashion this into a noose for me. Let me know when you're done. All right, good. It looks good. Now put your head in there. Put that around your neck." They're, they're taking your money to then turn around and audit you so they can take more of your money. They're literally asking you to help hang yourself. It is that bad. And I want everybody in America to know that that's what this does with this massive doubling of the IRS to 87,000, or rather doubling it by another 87,000 more agents making this agency, the agency to take your money from you, bigger than the Pentagon, that's the Defense Department, the State Department, the FBI, and the Border Patrol all combined. Thanks to Ted Cruz for doing that math for us. That's how big the IRS is. The goal is to take as much money from you as humanly possible, which means our response to that is what? Our response is to take as many votes from them as humanly possible. They have to pay a price here. And the good news is they are literally saying so out loud. Senator Joe Kennedy, or John Kennedy, I beg your pardon, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana talked about this. Senator Manchin's and Senator Schumer's massive tax and spending bill has uh, unfortunately, in my judgment, now passed. Because of inflation, uh, Louisianians are really getting good at barely getting by. And that's true for most Americans, too. Um, As a result of Senator Manchin's bill, and I hope I'm wrong in this, but I predict that uh, Joe-flation, as some people call it, uh, will now refer to Joe Manchin, not President Biden. Um, For example, Senator Manchin... You know, just a little help there for Senator Kennedy. You know, we use Biden for Bidenflation. You can very easily go to Manchin and call this Manchinflation. It actually works out better because it's I-N at the end. Manchinflation works here, Senator Kennedy, but please continue. Bill raises taxes on oil and gas. Now, when you tax something, you get less of it, which causes prices to rise. Senator Manchin's message seems to be, since you can't afford gas because of my bill, go buy a $75,000 electric vehicle. That's not going to work in Louisiana. That's not going to work across America. Number two. According to the uh, nonpartisan Joint Tax Committee, which doesn't take sides, it's not Republican or Democrat, the burden of Senator Manchin's bill will fall on everyone, everyone and their taxes, not just people making more than $400,000 a year, everyone. So most Americans, if not all Americans, are now going to have even less money to spend as prices continue to rise. Point three, Senator Manchin's bill raises taxes on businesses, especially manufacturers. Um, Most people understand this. Corporations don't pay taxes. People do. And those taxes, when they're increased, are passed on in higher prices, lower wages, 
uh, lower stock prices and uh, lower 401k balances. I, I, oh, I kind of said this to um, Jack Windsor. What I really like about you know the way Jack speaks and when he talks to us about various things, he is a does a really great job of of explaining things at levels everybody can understand. He can talk highbrow or he can talk you know every man, and that's what John Kennedy does here too. This is every man talk right now. How does everyone not understand this? That when you raise the taxes on the manufacturers of our goods, those goods become more expensive. When they become more expensive, then they become more expensive to you. And when you have to pay more for them, you have less money for other things. This literally, and I don't mean to be condescending when I do this, I appreciate this. I appreciate the plain talk. I appreciate, I mean, I can uh, certainly appreciate, like I said, the highbrow, highbrow talk and the inside baseball kind of uh, information. But to reach all Americans, to just do it this way is, is important. You're going to pay more for everything that you buy, and worse, your um, 401ks and IRAs are going to be worth less. Because the value of the stock is going to drop, and everything that you own in terms of the market or investments is going to decrease in value. It's going to hurt you, not just today, but for a long, long, long time into your retirement if this isn't reversed. It takes a special kind of stupid, in my judgment, to raise taxes during both a recession and inflation. That's called stagflation which is what we have right now as a result of President Biden's policies. Look, I'm not saying uh, that Senator Manchin intentionally wants to hurt people. I'm not saying that he intentionally wants to have even more people living in a tent behind Whataburger. But that's going to be the result of this bill. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, I think I'm right. He is right. And what this bill does, again, it targets hard-working, middle-class Americans who are already taxed more than they can afford, and now it's going to make it even worse. Because it's almost as if every American is going to have his own individual tax auditor. I mean, the IRS, you know, you, you may hire somebody from one of the agencies, one of the tax agencies, to do your taxes for you to make sure that everything is done right, but even if they screw up, it's on you, not them. And there'll be an agent crawling up their backside to make sure that every single decimal point is right, every single number is right, and so forth. And so the question is, is what are we going to do about it in November? And the answer is we have to make them pay a price. Now, when I say this, I, I, when I read a headline, I got a headline in front of me from Breitbart, Republicans warn that Democrats will, quote, pay the price for this spend tax and spend bill. And it's true. Uh, uh, Ronna McDaniel, the um, uh, chair of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel actually tweeted that and told Breitbart, quote, Democrats will pay the price in November for raising taxes on families during a recession. Now, if you're like me, when you hear a phrase, it triggers a, a response, a memory, or, or you know, knowledge of uh, a recollection of another, another you know, time that was used. And as soon as I saw the words pay and read the words pay the price, I thought of Chuck Schumer. And I said, oh boy, now the Republicans are saying what Chuck Schumer said, except they're not. And this is what Chuck Schumer said, and you recall this, about the Supreme Court justices long before there was even a, uh, a case before them about uh, the potential overturn of Roe versus Wade. This is what Schumer said, if you recall. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. 
You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Now, we determined that Chuck Schumer statement to be a flat-out, um, unambiguous threat against the Supreme Court justices. Not a political threat, a threat, a physical threat. One that manifested itself, by the way, in a radical left-wing nutjob going to Washington, D.C. to try to murder Brett Kavanaugh. When he said, you will pay a price. Oh, he meant politically. There is no politically when you are an appointed justice because you don't run for re-election. When he said pay a price, he threatened those justices by name. Now, when Ronald McDaniel says Democrats will pay the price in November, we're not talking about threats against Kamala Harris or Joe Manchin or anybody who voted for this ridiculous, dangerous attack on American taxpayers. What, what, what she is talking about is legitimately we have to make them pay the price at the ballot box. If ever there was an act of political suicide, the Democrats have just carried it out. They have just promised middle-class America that their taxes are going to rise as well as their prices. And any taxes that they may not have paid, uh, not even through intent, but because of a miscalculation or something of that nature, you're probably going to get audited. We're all probably going to get audited, and then they're going to tell you how much you owe in back tax and it, with interest. All for what reason? And this is where I talk about that ROI. Where's the return on our investment? Once they take more money from us than ever before, what are we getting for that? What are they going to do with that money? They're going to spend it on Green New Deal boondoggles to push for more wind and solar power and to kill and crush and destroy fossil fuels. Never mind the fact that they can't run one single element of this clean energy pipe dream of theirs without massive amounts of fossil fuels. Never mind that fact. Don't bother them with the details. If they say electricity comes from the wall, then that's where it ends. You just believe them. The electricity isn't fossil fuels. It just comes from that wall over there. Wait, what? Yeah, you see that big outlet over there? That's where it comes from. Well, where does the power go for that? Well, that comes from, you know, the, the, uh, from, uh, the energy company. Okay, where, where does that come from? Well, that comes from, uh, you know, Lansing. And I'm quoting, if you recall, I'm quoting the spokesperson for General Motors, who did a great big uh, presentation of the new Chevy Volt earlier this summer. And a reporter said, where's the electric come from, the power? Where's the power come from? She goes, electric. It comes from right over there, that wall. Well, where's that? Well, that building. Well, where does that get power from? Well, from Lansing, of course. Well, where does Lansing get the power from? She goes, "Um, I don't know, coal? (laughs) I mean, uh, natural gas? (laughs) You mean the very... Fossil fuels that you are guaranteeing you're going to end. You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate. Now, I have told you many, many times, and I've put people on the air who are experts in the field to tell you many, many times, the myth of of global warming, the, the, the lie, the ultimate lie, of this climate change that, first of all, we are driving, that, second of all, we alone in the world, not with the rest of the world, but just the United States alone can change the course of the climate. 
on this planet or of this planet. I've talked about what a lie that is for many, many, many years. But let's say for just the sake of discussion that you believe it, that you believe in climate change and global warming, etc. And if you believe that climate change and global warming are being driven, because you're a nut, being driven by carbon emissions from human beings, carbon, which is one tiny scintilla of a fraction of what the atmosphere is made up of, But if you believe that our participation and our contribution to carbon emissions leads to all of this, and therefore you believe we really have to stop using fossil fuels, if I, if I admit all of that to you, if I, if I, you know, stipulate that, yes, those things are true. They're not. But if I said they are, and you said, okay, then now, now you're going to join us uh, in trying to stop those things, right? We're going to have to stop using fossil fuels, right? That's when I look at you and I laugh in your face. Because you cannot have electric cars without massive, massive, massive increases in the electrical grid, in the infrastructure. And that means you're going to have massive, massive, massive increases in the use of coal and natural gas because that's what powers the electric companies, for crying out loud. That's what powers electricity. And oh, by the way, coal-fired plants are used in the manufacturing of all of those batteries that you want to put in these cars. So while you want to play your little solar and EV games, saying it's going to help save the planet because you're not going to use fossil fuels, I just want you idiots to know exactly how much more fossil fuels are going to have to be used to turn a country of 330 million people away from the internal combustion engine and to the electric car battery. The same electric car battery, by the way, that has a very, very specific shelf life and that cannot be replaced once it's dead and that cannot decompose because it is not biodegradable and will thus fill up landfills until the end of time. Unless you start dumping them into the ocean. And remember that planet you were trying to save? Let me know how that works out for you. So that's my ROI. That's the return on our investment. The continued use of the fossil fuels we're already using now, but a massive increase in the prices of energy, massive increases in prices of our goods and services, massive increases uh, increase of the amount of taxes we pay and back taxes as they hire 87,000 new agents to come after everybody making $75,000 a year, not $750,000 a year, $75,000 a year. So they can come after you for that as well. So there's the return on your investment for your tax dollars going to the $740 billion spending bill. What do you get back from it is higher prices, higher taxes, and back taxes. Now, if you don't make them pay a price for that in December, or excuse me, in November, if you do it in December, you waited too long. But if you, if you don't make them pay the price for that by voting out every single Democrat that has, uh, has his, name, his or her name on a ballot in November... Well, then you are just saying, I'm okay with this. I'm willing to pay that price for the return on the investment that I just described. I'll be right back. Thank you. 
Phone lines are open at 216-901-0945, Coming up in hour number three, we'll have a chance for you to call. But we're also going to talk about what can we do, um, you know, with respect to the stagnation that we are dealing with in the economy, with respect to businesses, with expect, respect to prices. There's a group in uh, Lake County that's been doing some good work. And um, what they've created is something called the Lake County Business Roundtable. And I'm going to find out a little bit more about it here in just a few minutes uh, when we talk to the treasurer of Lake County, uh, Michael Zurin. And uh, I think it's a good idea. He gave me a little bit of background on it as what they do is uh, businesses all come together. Rather than being in competition with one another, even though they may be in the same industries, you know, restaurants compete with one another, for example. But uh, rather than be in complete competition with one another, they are working together to support one another and to help generate business for everybody, uh, believing that, you know, uh, a rising tide raises all boats, right? Well, that's kind of the goal here. And so we're going to uh, talk to Michael Zern about what they're doing in Lake County and see what kind of a model it could be as a business roundtable to help one another. Remember, all of the change that we need to make begins locally, not nationally, but locally. So we'll talk to him about that coming up after the top of the hour news. And we'll get to your phone calls too. 216 Your thoughts on the massive uh, tax and spend bill will be primary uh, coming up next hour. We'll be back. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward into hour number three, now 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. It's the eighth morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being along. We're going to return to the issue of the uh, tax and spend bill. But let's talk about um, your dollars and cents at the local level. Let's talk about uh, the local economy. Let's talk about businesses. You know, I got to say, I live in a city where... And it's not alone, but it's just the one I see all the time. It's just a crying shame, the number of storefronts that are empty, the number of buildings that were once thriving that are now empty, that are boarded up, businesses in business districts, in strip malls, in high used to what used to be high-traffic shopping areas, just all closed. And they range in, you know... All kinds of businesses. It's you know from from you know, toy stores to uh, to restaurants to auto parts stores. I mean, literally, uh, you drive around the city in which I live, and you'd see it, and you see it in a lot of others as well. We were out to Toledo way yesterday, 
visiting our son and uh, went into a little uh, area on the way home, uh, Northwood. It's right by the Turnpike. And we we, we were going to go to Big Boy. And uh, we, we drove by. It's closed. We looked across the street at this massive complex of other places that were closed. It's just a shame to see. So anyway, why am I talking about this? Talking about it because our local economies and our local business uh, structure and infrastructure is in serious jeopardy in a lot of places, and the question is, is what can be done about it? Uh, I got a message. Uh, it's been a little bit, a little while actually, and I feel bad about it because I didn't see it until recently from uh, the treasurer of Lake County, a gentleman by the name of Mike Zurin, who said we are doing some work here in Lake County with the Lake County Business Roundtable, and I said, what's that? And uh, he said, I'd like to tell you, how about we do it on the radio? And I said, that's a hell of an idea. So this is a little bit later than I wanted it to be, but I know about it now, and I want to shine a spotlight on it and see if we can get some uh, some support for it and maybe some ideas for others as well. So joining us now is Michael Zurin. He is the county treasurer in Lake County. Mike, it's good to have you finally. How are you, sir? Oh, great, great. Thank you, Bob. I really preach. I appreciate you having me on the show. Well, I certainly appreciate you reaching out when you did. Like I said, I apologize for missing it, but I'm glad we are here now because I want to learn a little bit more about it. Tell me what the Lake County Business Roundtable does, and tell me how it started. Well, it initially started um, late last year. I was uh, receiving a lot of phone calls from small and medium-sized businesses that were very concerned about the the next uh, property tax bill. And um, after talking to a lot of the business owners, uh, we came up with the idea of uh, a roundtable to bring um, businesses in to talk about the issues that they're facing um, after the pandemic and coming out of the lockdowns and the other things that uh, that happened over the last couple years. And instead of uh, addressing it on a government level, addressing it on on a business owner's level, what can what can we do uh, to help them be successful? And um, it, uh, we've had numerous meetings uh, since February, and uh, we've had a, a lot of success stories on, on identifying issues that can be addressed locally and uh, help people get back to work. Um, this is a partnership with the with the uh, with the commissioners in Lake County. Uh, but some of the uh, some of the comments that came out of the uh, the business owners um, uh, from the business owners are really interesting. Um, they really focused initially. They focused on three things, and that was uh, uh, employment vacancies, and supply chain, and inflation. Um, and uh, we really addressed those issues um, with the uh, with the vacancies, uh, employment vacancies. Uh, we not only have uh, assisted with a lot of job fairs, but uh, we reached out to um, uh, some local government agencies. Um, one of the issues with employment was transportation. Um, when the government shut down the world uh, two years ago, uh, a lot of people stopped working and they didn't and they no longer have reliable transportation. So we uh, sought out a, a grant uh, where people can get their car fixed. Um, if they have a, a letter stating that they're going to be going back to work, they can get their car fixed so they can they can go back to work and uh, have reliable transportation. Um, and then we also addressed um, a lot of other issues with employment. Let, uh, let, me, let me pause you that. there, Mike, um, because I want to get into some of these individually or else I'll forget them when we go by. Um, okay. That's a, sure. that's a great idea. Uh, how does somebody, though, 
you know, apply for some of the money to get their car fixed? I mean, do they have to prove that they're without a job right now? Because in other words, I can see people saying, oh my gosh, you're doing free car repairs? Uh, you know, if, if, if you don't have a ride to, to work, so they're going to fix your car for you? Well, I have a job, but I also have a very expensive car repair here. I'm going to go there and tell them I don't have a job. So is there, is yeah. there a way to offset the kind of, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, it, it's a, it's limited to a thousand dollars, and they have to. Um, it's income based, and um, I believe there has to be a letter stating that they are going back to work, uh, that they have a job offer, um, and that was one of the uh, issues with employment. Um, another one was uh, partnering with local trade schools like uh, Auburn Career Center and um, having them uh, train some of the um, uh, employees. We've had a few restaurants that specialize in, in different types of meals, and um, they were able to partner with the local trade school, Auburn, to uh, get some of their chefs trained, uh, which uh, was a was a big help to, to that industry. So we're trying to identify the small issues and uh, and try to work with uh, what's available in the county. Yeah, and that's a good idea because I think that's something that is uh, you know afflicting every county and maybe even every state. And that is, of course, the just you know massive number of jobs open uh, and nobody wants to fill them. Uh, and and I don't know if they got used to being on the government dole over the course of the last two years, where they had the supplemental unemployment along with the regular unemployment and all the uh, you know the um, uh, the. I can't remember the name of the fund that they sent out to everybody now, uh, but the two different disbursements that they sent out to everybody. So people got used to sitting around and just spending the government's money, and eventually that goes away, doesn't it? Aren't all these people going to have to come back to work at some point anyway, Mike? I would think so. I know there's still a lot of uh, a lot of openings, and um, it's kind of a when you listen to the business owners, it's kind of evolved from they were able to get a lot of their. Um, open positions filled and now when the last couple meetings are talking about uh the employees that they hired are not very motivated um so it's a whole nother issue um that the employers are facing where they have people who do not want to work more than the hours that they were set they do not want to advance uh they do not want to learn new skills and you know they kind of have the um the attitude if you push me too hard there's lots of other jobs i'm going to leave and go somewhere else um, and they're not so that, wrong. That's another they're not issue wrong that about the employers that. They're, are they're, facing. Yeah, they're not wrong. There are a lot of other places. They're kind of holding all the cards. The same thing with money. You know, a job that they may have taken two years ago for $10 an hour, they won't work for less than 15 or for, or 16 or 17 now, no matter what it does to the, uh, you yeah, know, to the I, bottom I think line Amazon's for the employer. $18 an hour. So, yeah, yeah. They, yeah they, they really can change quickly <laughs> if they want to. And, so uh, what, so the, what uh, is there... Is, is, I apologize. We're talking over each other, I think, because of the delay with the call here. So apologies for that. But uh, let me ask this, and you can finish your thought there as well. What what kinds of solutions are suggested or proposed during these roundtable meetings among the business owners? Because some of them seem like they have no answers. You know, if the employees are calling all the shots in terms of they'll only work for this amount of money, they'll only work this many hours, and if you don't like it, tough, I'll go work somewhere else, because somebody else is willing to pull them in. There has to be some kind of... a I don't know, unity among the business owners to say, I won't hire the ones who screwed you over. Maybe that's something that, you know, that would have to happen, have to happen here. Well, um, I know one, uh, one employer, uh, which, which was a restaurant, they had about 140 employees and, uh, he spoke last time, um, the owner, um, and he said that they had to have a, um, a management meeting every Sunday with all the employees to make decisions because they were having too many people leave. Um, they, the newer people that they hired over the last six months um, wanted to have a say in how the business was run. Wow. And instead of them leaving, now they, they all vote together 
and that's those are the changes that are made in the meeting. And he said that stopped the that stopped the attrition, that stopped the people from leaving, and you know he that's what he had to do. Um, well, there's good and bad the, with that. I mean, it's good if it stopped the attrition, but now you've got to turn over decision-making power to the employees when they have no earthly idea what it takes to run a business. You know what you put into it, what your own visions for it as the you know as the business owner are you're the one who spent the money and got the capital loans and uh and so forth in order to to do this thing and now you got to let the uh you know the the, the cash uh, register worker tell you how to run your business that's the you know that's that, that sounds like a tough proposition yeah yeah i, th- I think it's a it's a tough uh, tough market out there and and the business owners are doing what they can to survive and this is just one of the issues mm-hmm. um there were a lot of other things that have come through the uh the roundtable meeting with um, with daycare um, because a lot of people who have been off of work for a year they may have children and they want to go back to work but they've got the issue with uh, who's going to watch their young children and we've really addressed that by having a lot of daycare uh, providers come in and talk about their programs. Um, there's there's been a, a whole lot of things that are barriers to going you know bringing people back to work. Um, healthcare was another big one uh, when we had the free clinic and, and other agencies come in and talk about solutions to getting people back to work and overcoming the barriers because the goal is to get them off of assistance and get them back into self-sufficiency they where they're making enough to support them and their families and uh, sure. and help the uh, local economy uh, prosper what about just uh, we're talking to mike zurin if you just turn this on michael zurin is the lake county treasurer and we're talking about the lake county business roundtable that be, that was begun uh, a, a short while ago in uh, which they get together and try to find ways to work in collaboration not competition right it's kind of funny you, generally speaking you know you got two different stores that sell the same thing or two different restaurants that sell the same kind of food they're in competition but really through this roundtable they're working together thinking i guess that you know like i said you know the uh, a rising tide raises all boats so uh, uh, it's it's kind of working together, even um, you know, even though you're competing for the same customers. Absolutely, yeah. All the all the business owners are uh, are pulling for each other. Uh, I actually have a really good story about a um, a restaurant um, who explained one of the things that they're going through with inflation. Um, we had a uh, it was a Japanese uh, restaurant. They came, the owner came in and he talked about the price of chicken, and uh, it really shocked me. He said two years ago the price of chicken was about twenty nine dollars a box. I'm not sure how many pounds that was, and now it's well over a hundred dollars a box for chicken. Um, so when when he talked about that and how that was impacting his business, we found a um, a business uh, that actually sells um, supplies to restaurants in bulk, and uh, we had them come in and talk about how they could all uh, purchase together and save fifteen to twenty percent. Now the government government's not involved in this, but it's a solution that's offered um, for these small restaurant owners where they could save quite a bit of money just by buying together so just just to find these kind of solutions that um, can really help these businesses is uh is what the roundtable is all about so bigger picture here now um how much of it how much of a difference has this made how long has the roundtable been going on mike and how much of a difference has it made do you think for the business community in lake county uh, it started in February. That was the first meeting. We have a meeting uh, basically once a month. I think it's made huge differences. Um, there's been some businesses that have that have expanded. Um, they've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of uh, grant money to expand. Um, so it, it is offering growth. It's offering more opportunity. Um, I just think we need to just keep working together and uh, help businesses expand and uh, and create more jobs and opportunity for everybody and and help people 
who want to get off of assistance and um, and if they want a better life for their family, this is uh, something that's desperately needed. Has um, has there been any reach out to any other counties, you know, commissioners or anybody else to kind of say, hey, we're doing something here we think is helping that maybe you ought to think about in your counties or you know, wait for them to come to you? Um, at this point, uh, we haven't reached out to them. Um, I know we talked to a couple other counties uh, quite a bit, um, and I, I, I will uh, definitely be reaching out to a few other local counties. Yeah, and you know what? That's why I'm glad to put you on the radio. I hope people are listening in other counties, and maybe if you have a uh, an ability to reach or communicate with county commissioners or treasurers or whomever in your own counties, maybe you want to have them reach out to Michael Zurn or reach out to the commissioners in Lake County to find out a little bit more about how they can maybe replicate this this in their own counties. If it's putting more people back to work, if it's getting more businesses on a you know on a profitable basis, obviously it's worth it for all of us. You know, as one community goes, really it can quickly spread to all communities, good or bad, in Northeast Ohio. So we certainly hope that if uh, people are listening right now and want to try to uh, boost uh, boost up their own businesses, maybe you want to follow up on what Lake County is doing. Michael Zurin, Lake County Treasurer, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for reaching out to me when you did about all this, and I'm glad we were able to get you on the air, and I wish you continued success out there in Lake County. Oh, thank you, Bob. I love the radio show. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Appreciate it, Mike. All right, there you go. That's Michael Zurin on AM 1420, The Answer from Lake County. He's the treasurer there. and. Giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always write radio with Bob France and the answer. You know, uh, eleven thirty-seven. Now that little clip that we play there coming into the last segment is important. Uh, thank you to the Floor King and thank you to Mark King in keeping Medicare simple for giving us this third hour. That's the only reason we're here. Their support and their their sponsorship and support of the show because of what we do uh, is it means so important, so much to me and. And my support of them is likewise. It's because of what they do and how well they do it. Uh, give them a call of thanks, would you? Whether you need advice on uh, a new Medicare plan or whether you need new flooring or not, just call them and thank them for the third hour of Always Right Radio. Uh, I would appreciate that, and I know they would, too. Hey, I want to hit a couple of quickies here because somebody brought this up uh, after I was talking to Jack Windsor. I got a message about Mike DeWine. And somebody messaged me on Truth Social. Follow me on Truth Social, always write WHK. Somebody messaged me there and said, I will never, ever, ever vote for Mike DeWine. I will vote for Mickey Mouse first. I will write in Mickey Mouse uh, first before I would vote for DeWine. And what he was upset about is um, Mike DeWine's a pronouncement, his his announcement or pronouncement that he will not oppose drag queen story hours. Drag queens brought into elementary and preschools to read to little kids and start to indoctrinate them into the sexualized lifestyle, uh, alternate lifestyle that they represent. It's a huge deal nationally. It's a huge deal by uh, uh, Republican gov- the Republican Governors Association, and Mike DeWine will not support it. Uh, Jack had this story. As did others. The Republican Governors Association, which of course supports the reelection of Mike DeWine, sent out a fundraising appeal Wednesday seeking campaign contributions to GOP, so GOP governors can stand on the front lines against the drag queen story hours in public schools and libraries. Friend, we need your help to stand up for our school children and fight back against politicians who want to destroy their innocence said the National GOP group. Radical Democrats across the country are openly supporting sexually charged drag queen story hours for young school children. But does Mike DeWine back the GOP effort? Of course not. Because he's a Democrat. And he's just a flat-out squish. 
It's why I opposed him with every fiber of my being in the primary and supported Jim Renacci. And now we're stuck. Now we're stuck with Mike DeWine, Democrat, or Nan Whaley, worse Democrat. How do you say, how do you, you know, deal with that? DeWine said he hadn't heard of the Republican Governors Association solicitation and dismissed the drag queen story hour as an issue. He said he'll continue to emphasize other issues in his reelection campaign. When asked earlier about this, his flunky press secretary said, There are many important issues facing the state. As such, this avenue of questioning is not a game with which we are intent on engaging with you. If there is confusion on what is the governor's, uh, Governor DeWine, DeWine's agenda is, I'm happy to forward to you a copy of the State of the State speech. That is, again, from his flunky Dan Tierney. I've talked with Dan Tierney a few times. I've actually gotten along with him a little bit, of course, until he just began you know, being what he is, which is the flunky for a horrible, horrible pretend Republican named Mike DeWine, who destroyed our state for two and a half years and is hell-bent on continuing to do so. In his response to further Columbus dispatch inquiries, noting DeWine is an RGA member, and has received campaign contributions from the RGA, the Republican Governors Association, more than a million dollars in the first quarter of 2022 alone, Tierney said, it is the definition of a simple gotcha question and an attempt to bait us on a hot-button issue. Hey, Dan, I'm not trying to bait you. I'm asking you to be direct. And it's not gotcha either. You either oppose the grooming of little children by the LGBTQA community or whatever their letters and numbers are, or you don't. Little kids are not supposed to be sexualized or taught that it's okay for boys to dress in sexy girls' outfits and go into schools like that. Is it a hot-button issue? Yeah, but it matters. Depends on whether or not you care about protecting kids or you don't. But Tierney went on to say that DeWine will continue to be an RGA member and accept their campaign money. He just won't do what the Republican Governors Association stands for. This is the choice we have for governor? This POS and Nan Whaley, who's worse? That's what we tried to fight so hard against having to do, choose from the Democrat or from Democrat DeWine in the uh, primary. It's why it was so important for Joe Blystone to take his hat and get the hell out of the way so we could elect and nominate Jim Renacci. But, of course, in the Republican or excuse me, in the state of Ohio's ridiculous open primaries, a whole bunch of Democrats got over, came over there to support uh, and split the vote and make Mike DeWine, because they've even said it. We can live with DeWine, because he's kind of like close to being one of us. We can live with DeWine. We can't have a conservative like Renacci in there. So I've got that little quick story, because he obviously does not care, does Mike DeWine, about sexualizing children with Drag Queen Story Hour. At least Marco Rubio does. Super quick. This is Rubio offering an amendment to that tax and spend non-inflation reduction act uh, last night. Mr. President, the only people who are capable of being pregnant are biological females. And therefore, I think federal federal pregnancy programs should be limited to biological females. Rubio proposed an amendment to the bill that would say federal pregnancy funding can only be used for biological females, because they're the only ones who can be pregnant. You know what the Democrats did? Voted it down. All 50 Democrats said, nope, it's not true, that biological females are the only ones who can get pregnant, including the tie-breaking vote from Commie Harris. They all voted it down. And that's what this would do. Well, thank you, Mr. President. Um, A 
few minutes ago, I looked back uh, across 5,500 years of human history. So far, every single pregnancy has been a biological female. And so, therefore, the only thing I'm trying to do is make sure that federal law is clear that since every pregnancy that's ever existed has been in a biological female, that our federal laws reflect that. And our pregnancy programs are available to the only people who are capable of getting pregnant. Biological females, very simple. I would accept a unanimous consent if they want to offer it, and we can move on and not waste any time. Very well done, Senator Marco Rubio. It's a shame that we don't have that same kind of common sense and support in the Ohio governor's mansion. All right, that's it for today. Thanks to my guests. Thanks to my crew. Thanks to you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.